welcome to The Well Podcast. We hope that this message will help you grow in your faith and give you practical ways to strengthen your relationships. To find out more, visit thewell.ca. Hi, my name is BJ. I'm privileged to be one of the pastors here at The Well. And I don't know about you, but I cannot believe that it is December already and that the end of the year is coming. Um, and some of us are ready to say goodbye to 2020. Like, let's leave this behind. Maybe you can relate to some of these images on your screen right now. <laughs> yeah, um, screaming inside your heart. That is definitely what 2020 is about. You know, I wonder if, I mean, I hate to break it to you, but 2021, there's nothing magical about the turning of the new year when it comes to our current conditions. And so it may not get better right away. Um, but I, I do think one of the reasons we have um, longed for Christmas more this year um, is because we need it. We feel like we need it more than ever. And, and I say that, I, I know that in our house, the de- decorations went up way earlier than normal. Still not early enough for my wife, but way earlier than normal. And I've heard from other people that that's been true for you as well. Uh, It seems like we are just hoping and longing for and needing Christmas more. Um, For many people, whether you're a person of faith or not, the Christmas season often holds promises of hope and joy and peace and delight and rest. I know for me, December 25th, December 26th, they are my two favorite days of the year because they're so, um, they're just, it feels like time stands still and I can enjoy rest and my family and friends and food and all of that. And so we are like, yeah, man, I need a Christmas like that now more than ever. And yet... Uh, we're being told we can't have that, uh, that it's got to be different. We're, we're not going to be traveling as much or at all. Uh, we're not even going to be driving maybe across town to see relatives. We're not going to be having them in our homes. We're not supposed to be. We're not supposed to really see people. We're told to stay home and it's going to feel, and look, we're not going to have live Christmas Eve services, lots of things that are being disrupted, no shopping and things like that. And so um, it feels like the opposite of what we need most right now, what we would hope Christmas would be. And maybe because of that, the title of the series we're starting today, Wonder, (laughs) Discovering the Gifts of the Season, might feel like a gross misnomer. Like that just does not fit for me this year. That is not going to be the most wonderful time of the year. And and if I can say this, you know, that the truth is that the word wonder um, actually does hold something for us, even in a season like this. Especially when we consider this, another word that really goes alongside of it, it's the word mystery. Um, The idea of mystery is something that is meant to be discovered, something that's hidden. It's It's not quite easily seen, but it's meant to be found out, meant to be uncovered, meant to be discovered. And that this idea of wonder and mystery go hand in hand, that there are things for us in this season, even though it is a season that is uh, one of disruption and disappointment and difficulty and uncertainty and maybe fear and maybe loss, that there is still something for us in this season to be discovered and maybe rediscovered. And perhaps the conditions that we find ourselves in this particular season of Christmas, um, maybe set us up even better than ever to rediscover some things that the Christmas season offers for us. At the very least, we know the very first Christmas came to a people in a time and a place in history that was also experiencing a significant amount of disruption, disappointment, um, hardship. 
fear, and even loss. And so I just want to invite you, even as these next three weeks, we are in what the Christian calendar calls the season of Advent, which is a season of preparation for the arrival of Christ, not just thinking back to when he first arrived, but anticipating the fact that he still arrives into our lives now. And we are meant to prepare ourselves, our hearts and our minds to receive him, to become aware that these next three weeks, we want to actually say, you know what? It is possible to discover or rediscover gifts that God has for us in this season, even in this season. And so before we move on kind of with where we're going to camp out today, I want to pause and the band is going to play a song for us that is really just a um, a prayer asking God to make us more aware of his presence. And, and so I just want to invite you, whether you know that song or not, whether you're a person of faith or not, maybe you're like, I'm just trying to figure this out. Well, we just want to tell you like this isn't just a time for you to be taught about God, that I would talk about God, but for you actually to be able to experience his presence, that he is here and in your life. And so we're going to pause now just to ask him Say, Jesus, can you even today and in the season ahead make me more aware of your presence? And then we're going to carry on with with what I think is something uh, essential that we need in order to unpack some of the mystery and the wonder of this season.
So friends, if there is hope for us to rediscover the gifts that this season has for us, even in a season like this, we actually have to begin with something that is an essential part of being able to discover or unpack this mystery. And that is this word, the word slowing. Slowing. Now, nobody's cheering right now. I know that. Um, we don't actually like slow. We, we like same-day shipping. We want 24-hour test results, three-hour test results. I mean, that would be great. We want um, on-demand viewing. We want things that we can get immediately. We want faster processors in our phones and in our um, computers. We don't actually like things being slow. Um, but even if we did, uh, it seems that in the 21st century, in the middle of a technological revolution, that it's not even possible for us to experience slowing down. Here's what Derek Thompson from The Atlantic said uh, about this. And I want you to listen to such a profound observation about our culture. He said this, John Maynard Keynes, who was an early uh, 1900s economist, so a century ago, predicted that the age of abundance, the 21st century, would make us all relax because it would be easier to get everything we need, like food, clothes, and entertainment. He thought we would be more relaxed. But maybe knowing that there are 10 great TV shows you should watch, nine important books to read, eight skills your child hasn't mastered, seven ways you're exercising wrong, six ways you haven't sufficiently taken advantage of the city you live in, etc., fosters a kind of metastasized paradox of choice, a perma-fomo, a fear of missing out. Knowing exactly what we're missing out on makes us feel guilty or anxious about the limits of our time and our capacity to use it effectively. Knowing what we're missing out on makes us anxious about our capacity and the use of our time. That the more we are aware, in fact, technology has made us more aware of what we can have, what we should have, or what we need more of. And I think this is true. It has actually tricked us. It has bent our view of time to somehow make us think that we can do more in a day or a week in a year, that we can actually fit more things in our lives. And so it has made a kind of um, busyness and a pace uh, in the 21st century that has, we've never experienced before as human beings. Now listen, that was before COVID. If you are anything like me, what this last year has done, even though we are technically traveling less, commuting less, um, maybe going out places less, or um, in general, what we might be uh, normally have filled our time, that to some degree we might say, yeah, I'm, I'm doing less than I was before. I don't know about you, but I feel that in my mind and my heart, everything has gotten faster. Everything has gotten busier. Um, that my mind has actually been crowded as I've been thinking about um, uh, everything that's going on. In fact, your own life and your relationship to um, technology and social media and emails and news feeds, um, you, I never used to look at this stuff every day and maybe you're like me, but all of a sudden now we're not only looking at it every day, we're looking at it every hour. Why? Because the world seems to be constantly changing and there might be another update we need to know. There might be a school closure I need to know about. There might be someone in my family that's gotten sick or there might be something that's happening in a new restriction in a new part of the world or in our part of the world that affects us. And so we are actually more 
um, immersed in news and sounds that are coming into our lives. Again, speeding up the thought and the heart and making a kind of pace on the inside that is even faster than we are used to. And then it seems like, um, you know, uh, shopping, and since we are being told not to shop as much or not to shop at all and shopping malls are closed, it seems like advertisers and manufacturers have ramped up their level of communication to a fever pitch. There are more deals and more sales, and I'm finding out about that, push notifications and emails and stuff I never knew I subscribed to coming in more and more. Why? Hoping that somehow we, we're going to buy uh, more online and buy more than we ever have before because we feel bad about the Christmas we're having, and so we're going to put more lawn ornaments on the lawn and we're going to put more stuff under the tree and somehow make sure our kids feel better about this Christmas because we don't think it's going to be good anyways. And we're actually going to talk about that a little bit next week. But I think the truth is it has created this sense of like um, slowing down that seems almost impossible to do. And so not only do we not like it, it seems like we're less able to do it than ever before. And yet I don't know about you, but I, I feel like I need it more than ever before. And so one of the gifts to discover in this season, actually that we need to discover any other gift that God might have for us in this season is the gift of slowing. The interesting thing is God himself has never seemed to be in a hurry. It's interesting when you read the scriptures, which are the story of God's plan to heal and redeem and save the world. It's like a 6,000 plus year story. It doesn't seem like God was fast in doing anything that he's done throughout history, even though if we're honest, that's one of our biggest frustration points with him is he seems slow in moving, slow to act, slow to bring healing and redemption. And even God's people, the children of Israel that were waiting for their promised savior, um, not only were they waiting thousands of years, there was a period of time in history where for 400 years, it seemed like God wasn't saying anything to them. And then Christmas tells us that when God actually came into the world, he came as a baby and for 30 years did nothing spectacular at all. And so there's this constant, it seems the slowness of God in moving that if we're honest, drives us crazy. And it shouldn't surprise us then actually that the life of Jesus, Jesus didn't really seem to be in a hurry ever either. Like, if you think about the life of Jesus on earth, it's not exactly like, uh, like an Avengers uh, superhero movie um, where, um, where there's tons of action going on. Like, there's no scene in the Gospels where um, Jesus is kind of wiping his sweaty brow and uh, wiping the, the hair that's falling in front of his blue eyes out of the way, looking down at his super high-tech watch as the red digits count down 30, 29, and he's yelling out to the disciples, guys, we're almost out of time. We gotta go. Like, there's just none of that in the gospels. In fact, it seems like Jesus was kind of, you know, moving at a very slow pace. And here's, we're gonna find out the scripture that is gonna be read for us today by uh, PJ Adzerta, who's part of our Vaughn congregation, shows us, or actually tells us the key of why this is so, why it seems that God and Jesus in particular moved so slowly and why that matters so much to us as something we need in order to discover the gifts that God has for us. So I want you to listen now as the scriptures read for us. Luke 10 verses 38 to 42. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha came and welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught, but Martha was distracted by the 
big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits there while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Revelation 3, verses 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him, he and he with me. Now, if you've never heard this story before, I need to tell you, a scene like this is not unusual, actually, in the life of Jesus, um, him, him eating a meal. In fact, I, I kind of think there's no way Jesus was skinny uh, because so many of the stories in his biographies are like, he's on his way to a meal, he's at a meal, or he's on his way from a meal, sometimes to another meal, to another town. Um, and, uh, and, you know, aside from that being sort of strange, when you think about the fact that his name was Savior, like his job was to save the world. It would be like his bumper sticker, you know, saving the world one buffet at a time. Like what is with all the meals and the eating? What is that about? And even more to the point, these stories of Jesus um, that were from eyewitness accounts were written down years after Jesus had risen from the dead and ascended. He wasn't around anymore. They, they lived, that first century world was an, a tradition, an oral tradition where stories and ideas were passed along just by telling because most people didn't read or write. It was very expensive actually even to write, to find someone who you could hire who, who was a scribe who would be able to write. Well, Luke, one of Jesus' biographers, wrote this down. And he would have written it down at a time when the eyewitnesses were maybe were getting older or dying or they were, gonna, they were gonna be gone and they wanted to capture these things in writing to pass them out and spread them around because so many people had been talking about Jesus and they wanted to make sure they had them accurate. Why would Luke, like if you think about, okay, they would have written down the highlight reel of Jesus, the savior of the world, fully God, fully human being, like, like no one has ever lived before. The, the most important things to write down, it would be like Luke is sitting with one of the eyewitnesses and, and the eyewitnesses says, okay, Luke, you got to write this down. There was this one time where Jesus went to this house for a meal. And Luke's like, okay. And he says, oh, so tell me what happened. Did he, did he raise someone from the dead? Uh, no. Oh, uh, did, did someone was sick and he miraculously healed them? No. Oh, someone, uh, you know, they had lost everything in a drought and Jesus made it rain. You know, it's like, no. No, here, write this down. Jesus went for a meal at someone's house and the person hosting him was upset because the turkey wasn't going to get done on time. And Jesus said to her, hey, relax. And Luke would have been like, I'm not, I'm not writing that down. Like, that's not, that's not a story. Why did he write this down? What's going on in this story? It's so much more significant than to some degree what it appears like on the surface. In fact, two really significant things in this um, that we need to understand that are, that, are, that are critical both for Jesus' listeners and readers then, but for us now when it comes to this whole idea of slowing down. So just to set the scene, this is Jesus going to a, 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 in a town and someone in the town invites him into their house, which would not have been uncommon because if you heard, if you were a rabbi, which Jesus was getting this reputation of being this really amazing teacher and, and, a, and someone who was close to God, well, if you, um, you would want someone like that in your house, 
uh, because that would be a way to show them that you're accepting them in that town. Hospitality was a big part of how they interacted. It would also be a way of showing, that, showing them honor. And if someone who had a good reputation or was an honorable person was in your home, that was a good thing too. Now, we'll find out if you read on in the Gospels that this home in particular, uh, two sisters and a brother lived together, became some of Jesus' closest friends. But at this point, they didn't know him. And so this woman, Martha, invites him into her home for a meal with some of his other disciples who had already been coming. So she's going to prepare a meal. There's going to be a lot of people there to feed. And she uh, does what she would normally do. She hosts, she hosts that. And that's what women did in, the, in that culture. That's what they were supposed to do was, you know, they were uh, in the domicile and at home creating meals and that kind of thing. Um, and so Jesus comes for that meal. And yet one of the other women in the home, the sister of this woman, Martha, doesn't help with any of the food preparation, is sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Martha, the one who's preparing, gets upset and says to Jesus, hey, what, she's, she's sitting there, I'm not doing anything. I'm doing all this preparation. Tell her to help me. And Jesus says to her something really significant. He points out a contrast between what Martha was doing and had chosen to do which is to prepare the meal and all that. And what Mary was doing, and Luke writes this, he says that Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to his teaching. So Martha points out the contrast. Look what she's doing. Look what I'm doing. Can you tell her to help me? Jesus points out the contrast and said, yes, this is what you're doing. And this is what she's doing. And in fact, she has chosen the most important thing. In fact, the only thing that is needed right now. And I think we need to realize this wasn't a comment on the fact that Martha shouldn't have been preparing turkey or whatever she was making. Uh, that wasn't actually what this is about. Jesus is making two really significant points. And the first one, just shortly, I want to mention, it's just too important to pass over. In, in Luke writing that Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to his teaching, that wasn't just a description of what was happening. That was language that was used to describe a disciple-rabbi relationship. In other words, Mary had chosen the posture or the action of a disciple, of someone who was being invited to learn from a teacher and follow in his footsteps. You might think, okay, great, so what? The problem was women weren't allowed to be disciples of any rabbi in that day. They were allowed to, you know, they memorized parts of the Torah, the, the Jewish scriptures, like all the other boys and girls would up to a certain age. I think it was the age of 12. And after that, women were not allowed to continue on in studying the Torah and the scriptures and become disciples of a given rabbi. And so when Jesus saying to Martha, leave her alone, she has chosen what is best. He was making this point, which is a history-making, history-changing point, that women are equally invited to be disciples. And that's just profound. That's incredible. And, and I just didn't want to mess, miss that because that's so important. But the other thing Jesus was doing in this moment is he says to Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. His issue wasn't with her that she was preparing the meal. There was a, there's a mystery even in this thing. He was putting his finger on what was going on in her heart. And he said, you are worried and upset about many things. It's almost like, you know, he was looking into her heart and saying, there's something on the inside of you that is troubling you, that you are upset. You are anxious and worried. And he puts his finger on it and says, Martha, it's like he's saying, I don't need you to prepare food for me. I need you to come and be fed by me. You actually need to eat the food that I have to give. You don't need to worry about feeding me. I have something for you. 
See, in a sense, Mary, in sitting at Jesus' feet and learning from him and listening to him, had chosen to have her mind and her heart and her soul filled by Jesus. And Jesus was pointing out the contrast. That's why he says to Martha, only one thing is needed. This is the most important thing right now. You are not okay on the inside. You are anxious and worried about many things. You need to come and receive the food that I give. And this is what's so interesting about Jesus when you read the Gospels and the four biographies of his life. He never hosted a meal for anyone because he didn't have a home. He didn't host a meal for anyone, but he fed every single person that he ever ate with, right? This is the mystery of the way Jesus worked. It wasn't about the bread and the wine and whatever would have taken up the table at that particular meal. Jesus actually referenced his teaching, his life, and his very presence as food. He called himself the bread of life. And in that moment, he's saying to Martha, you are worried and anxious about many things. Never mind the food you are going to make for me. I have a meal to give to you that will nourish and strengthen and fill your empty soul and quiet your hurried and anxious heart. This is what the mystery of what was going on in that interaction. See, let's be honest, friends. When it comes to even the coronavirus that we're dealing with, the truth is, thankfully, um, thank God for this, it's still a very small percentage of the population that has the virus or even those that have it, that has, ends up with serious issues or hospitalization or even death. And we continue to pray that that would be the case. And for any of you that have experienced that in yourself or in your family, you know, you don't want more people to get it. And so we are thankful that it is still a relatively low percentage and we're praying that those percentages go down. But here's the truth. 100% of us have been affected emotionally, mentally, and spiritually by this. And if I can say it this way, there is a busyness, anxiety, and worry of the mind and heart that has left us empty, hungry, and malnourished. There is a kind of busyness and anxiousness of the mind and heart that has left us empty and hungry and malnourished. And the beautiful thing is the invitation that Jesus made to Martha to say, come, come, like choose what Mary has chosen. Don't worry about the other things that are causing anxiety and worry and stress in your heart. The many things that are going on in your heart. Choose this to have your soul and your mind and your heart filled by me, my presence, my teaching, and my life. This is the same invitation that Jesus gives us today. That's why we had PJ read that verse earlier to you from Revelation, which is at the end of the scriptures, where Jesus describes his invitation this way, behold, I stand at the door and knock. In other words, the door of your heart, of your life. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and what? Fix your life and clean up some stuff and get you right. No, I will eat with you and you with me. What was Jesus saying? The same thing. I know your soul and your mind are hungry, malnourished, that there is anxiety and worry and a busyness and a pace that is actually getting in the way of you being able to hear me knocking at the door, hear my voice calling to you and receive that invitation to slow down and choose 
a face-to-face interaction with me. This is the same invitation to sit down and slow down and have a face-to-face with Jesus. This is what slowing is about. You know, COVID, in a sense, even for this upcoming Christmas, it seems like has taken away many things from us. It's taken away the opportunity to travel for our holidays. It's taken away the opportunity to go across town or to another province to see relatives or family. It's taken away the opportunity to host them in our home. It's taken away the opportunity to have office Christmas parties and work Christmas parties and parties with our friends and drop-ins and, um, you know, whatever we do normally for Christmas Eve or even meet in person for worship on a Christmas Eve service or New Year's or whatever that. It has taken away a lot of things. But it has also, because of that, created space. There's a gap. Even we might say there's an emptiness. There's an empty space. And can we just commit here and now? Let's not just fill it up with more shopping, more binge watching, more video games, or more busyness and anxious thought and worry. Can we actually see this moment in time as an invitation to receive one of the things we need the most right now? To sit down and slow down and have a face-to-face with the one who actually feeds and nourishes our mind and our heart and our soul. And so here's, that's really just what I want to invite you to do on this Advent season and this season coming up. And that's why I'm, I'm preaching this now at the beginning of this season. It's not Christmas Eve yet. It's not Christmas Day yet. It's not New Year's Eve yet. That we have an opportunity over these next few weeks as we are being told to stay home to stop doing stuff that we would be able to slow down, sit down and have a face-to-face. First and foremost with Jesus, so that Jesus would feed your soul and my soul. And one of the ways I want to invite you to do that is on our daily reading that we put on our website. If you go to the well.ca, you'll see a link that just says daily reading up in the menu. And that is an opportunity for you to daily slow down and sit down and have a face-to-face with Jesus and to be fed and nourished by him. And this is one of the great mysteries of our life with God, that somehow 15 minutes in the morning or 30 minutes with him, the mystery of how that can actually feed us and transform the rest of the hours of our day. I don't know how it works. I just know it does over and over and over again. And look, for some of you, you're, you know, you're in high school and so you don't, you're not in school every other day or maybe you're doing online school so you're home all the time. Maybe you're working, you don't have to commute anymore. Instead of staying up later because you don't have to get up earlier and then you get up more tired than you stay up later than you need to be, you, you get up more tired than you need to be and then you have to hit the books or the computer right away. Why not just get up a little bit earlier and take that 15 minutes or 30 minutes? And we would invite you to use the daily reading to do that. In fact, this week, you're gonna be given a few different ideas of ways that you can actually begin to slow down and how slowing could be a gift for you in this season. And so that may be something you want to read. And in other words, not just to read for information, but say, okay, Jesus, I need you to feed my anxious, busy, worried uh, heart and soul that are full of many things that are causing me to feel so hurried on the inside. But then also I'd want to invite you to do that same, to slow down and sit down and have a face-to-face with other people in your life. Perhaps you share life with people in the same home and you're stuck together because you've been told these are the only people you're allowed to see. 
And so there's actually going to be questions on the daily reading that you can use to interact with each other over a meal rather than have CP24 on or whatever that is or everyone on your devices or eat in front of the TV that you would actually stop and look each other face to face. And I know this can be awkward sometimes for families if it's not something you're used to doing. It's okay. Embrace the awkward. It's all awkward right now. You can actually use these questions to begin to interact with each other. Perhaps, though, you live on your own. Or the people you live with, you'd say, oh, these would not be safe people for me. I don't feel like they, they would even look at me strange if I even suggested this. But there'd be other people that you could get face-to-face with over a screen. And trust me, I know it seems weird, but it's actually not. Even in having the chance to connect with other people as we've prayed together through this month or even in home group, whatever, we've had a good time together. Yes, we're all burnt out of screens, but we've been enjoying seeing each other. Having people pray for me over the screen or over the phone has been just as meaningful as doing it in person. And so you can do that. You can call up somebody. And you know what? We don't need to be shy about doing it anymore because we all know, in a sense, we're feeling loneliness and isolation. And so don't feel weird is saying, hey, you know, I'm feeling kind of on my own right now. Or, you know, I am on my own right now. Can we talk? Can we hang out? Can we chat about some of this stuff? I, I want to slow down and sit down and have a face-to-face and actually have Jesus feed us even through this conversation. Friends, this is the mystery of how Jesus actually begins to feed us with food that is different than what we might be busy trying to prepare, that actually nourishes our malnourished, undernourished, hungry, empty souls. In a few moments, we're actually going to end this service by celebrating communion together, which is a kind of a meal that's more than a meal. Um, it's actually not even a meal. You're going to get crackers or or bread and juice or wine or whatever you have. It's not going to be enough to fill your stomach, but it represents the meal and the mystery of Jesus actually giving himself to us as the bread of life. It is a symbol and a reminder that what he gives us is real and tangible enough to taste and touch that can actually fill our souls and our hearts. And it is that same invitation that Jesus gave to Martha then that he gives us now. Come, Sit down, slow down, and let's have a face-to-face. And so as we prepare for communion, we're going to let the band lead us in a song that's called Come to the River. And it's just an invitation to say, come, drink if you're thirsty, eat if you're hungry, and find satisfaction and food and life in Jesus.
taste and see. Taste and see, I will taste and see, you are good to me.